to read Back to Reality, the best-selling novel of the bestseller experiment by the two marks, go to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash back to reality. And subscribe to this podcast to get loads of extra bonuses. Go to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash subscribe. Let's run the show. Hello and welcome to The Bestseller Experiment, where we continue to discover what makes a bestseller and inspire you to start, finish and publish your book. I'm Mark Stan. I'm flying solo this week. Mr. D is away on a secret mission. He'll be back next time. And before we jump into this week's episode, a big thank you to our sponsor, Pro Writing Aid, the official editing software of The Bestseller Experiment. Pro Writing Aid is so much more than just some grammar checker. It's a style editor and a writing mentor all in one wonderful package. And what's more, it works with Scrivener, Word, Google Docs, Chrome, Safari, Firefox, OpenOffice, Outlook. And Pro Writing Aid is designed for the smarter writer, which is you, isn't it? It's you listening right now. And as a listener of The Bestseller Experiment, you can get a whopping 20% off right now, right this second. Pop over to ProWritingAid.com forward slash bestseller and it's really working for our listeners as well we had Tuvia Pollack get in touch she said I honestly have no idea how I ever wrote without it I bought one year last year to try it out but I might just need to look into committing for longer than that now what Tuvia means there you can get a one-year license for pro writing aid or you can get a lifetime license so Tuvia if you want to get that discount for the lifetime license prowritingaid.com forward slash bestseller get to it the other thing that's really still kicking and still happening is the BXP 2020 Challenge. Uh, this is fantastic. I'm doing it myself. My wife's doing it. Every writer I know, know is doing it. If you want 2020 to be your best writing year ever, if you want to write and finish a book, you want to create a lifetime writing habit, all it takes is 200 words a day. So we need to do just 200 words. Uh, and you bank that and log it with us. And we're, we're adding up the words that everyone's writing. We're up to something like 3 million words now. Get to bestsellexperiment.com forward slash BXP 2020 and sign up now to discover more. And it's working for our listeners as well. Listen to this. Ed Howard said, I've still not missed a day. I've written 35,000 words this year. Just want to try and keep it up. Ed, fantastic. Great stuff. Well done on that. Uh, GM White, who I, on Twitter is GM White Right. He wrote 370 words the other day, including these two. The end. He's written the end of the first draft of The Swordsman's Intent, a prequel novella to The Swordsman's Lament. And he says it's fair to say this wouldn't have happened, or at least not as rapidly, if it wasn't for the BXP 2020 challenge. Writing little and often has enabled me to get back in the saddle and find time and ways to write while juggling my responsibilities as a new dad. So congratulations on that. Mark Hood writes, he says, I kept above the 200 words all week again. He's now got a 75 day streak which is just incredible 75 days 200 words a day it makes such a huge difference paul arduin got in touch he said my public declaration was to write five books this year here's the first a 93,000 word murder mystery started on 1st of january and with the bxp challenges help completed today celebration drink of choice trader joe's colombian roast so huge congratulations on that paul it's all happening because of this 200 words a day it little and often it really does make a huge huge, huge difference. So again, you want to find out what that's about, get over to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash BXP 2020. And now on to this week's very special guest. I'm speaking to Steph 
Green. Steph is our first Kiwi author. I can't believe we've done all these hundreds of episodes. We have folks from Australia, but no one from New Zealand before. So, Steph, congratulations on that. Since 2015, Steph has written over 30 books. She's an award winner. She's passionate about her work, massively successful. And you're going to be inspired by this because, uh, like so many internet successes, it started with a cat. Here we go. Steph Green, welcome to the bestseller experiment. How are you today? I am very good. Thank you, Mark. How are you? I am tickety boo. Thank you for asking. Now, I think you're our first Kiwi on the show. 250 plus episodes and you're our first person from New Zealand. So welcome. Is it is it Kia Ora? Is that the greeting I should be using, the Maori greeting? Kia Ora, yes. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Excellent. So welcome. And honestly, I... I've been looking at some of the stats to do with your career, and the numbers are just staggering, absolutely staggering. Over 30 books published, you've won all kinds of awards. And then I saw this in a recent interview with you. Uh, you said, um, we do these things because we're passionate about books and stories and reading, and it pays off. Last year, my first year in business after quitting my day job to write full time, I published five books and grossed $125,000. This year, I'll bank over 200000 Next year, let's just say I have big goals. Steph, how, how'd you do it, Steph? <laughs> how do I do it? I don't, I just, I don't know. It, it's basically like that. I, I'm super passionate about the stories that I want to tell. So I typey type and I write them all down and I put them out in the world and it seems that um that readers are passionate about reading them which is basically the dream so yeah wonderful stuff well let's 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 rewind a bit let's let's go because I don't think it is that simple tappity tap because uh, if it was we'd all be doing it let's let's go back and when did you first start writing how did it all kick off for you um so like all other writers I have you know I've always enjoyed reading stories and writing stories and telling stories, you know, when I was a kid. So I think the first novel I ever wrote was about eight years old or something, and it was a, a murder mystery story about um, starring my cat. Um, and so he was a detective, a cat detective, and he solved mysteries, um, you know, cat mysteries. And, you know, I loved it. So I, it was so much fun, and I got to stand up and read it to the class because everyone else's stories were kind of like 500 words about what they did on the weekend, and mine was this cat. Um, and so I wrote, like, three sequels to it. Um, and, <laughs> you know, kind of, like, even back then, I think I sort of understood, you know, the power of a series. And, you know, when you've got a great character, you've got, you've got to keep, you know, writing them again and again. And, you know, I think I was almost kind of thinking commercially, even as an eight-year-old. But um, <laughs> when I was in university, I spent a sort of, uh, the time when I wasn't studying, I was kind of working on this vampire novel for about five years, maybe. Mm -hmm. And I won a competition to, this is a very long story, I won a competition to pitch the novel to a Big Five editor. And she she loved the premise, but she sort of kept coming back with, oh, I, it just, it's not quite right. It just needs this change. It just needs this change. And so I worked with her for about three years tweaking this novel. So this is kind of eight years on this one book. And eventually she said, um, no, this isn't the book that we're going to publish, but, you know, send me anything else you've ever written. And so I wrote this super dark steampunk science fiction book with 
you know, it was Victorian London, but with dinosaurs. And so I, so I wrote, I, I wrote that book and I sent it to her and she said, I love this book. It's wonderful, but it's not the first book in the series. She said, you need to write a book before this book where all this other stuff happens. And so I went, <sighs> and then I went and wrote that book. Then that turned into two books. And so I wrote two books and that was like another few years. And I so I sent the first book to her and she's like, yes, this is the book, you know, here's your publishing deal. And I was like, oh my God, I finally made it. And then, um, then she decided to retire oh. and the publishing house decided that it was a really good time to cut a lot of her books that, uh, you know, cut her, basically cut down her line. Um, and so I was one of the authors that got cut. And so oh. my book hadn't even made to print yet. Um, and I just lost the, you know, the deal that I'd been working for, for, you know, about a decade. So, so that was a super fun week for me. <laughs> <laughs> and it was around that time when sort of the early kind of outliers in self-publishing were starting to talk about how well they were doing. Hugh Howey, Amanda Hocking, Jay Conrath were sort of talking about how, you know, lots of people were starting to read on these Kindles and they were putting their books up. And I think largely because a lot of the traditional publishers weren't really putting their books up on for Kindle or if they were, they were way too expensive. That was a big part of the reason why a lot of the early Kindle adopters were starting to read these self-published books. And I had just got myself a Kindle because I am, I'm actually legally blind. And so I, when I read books, it's quite hilarious because I literally have my nose on the page of the book in order to see the, the type. And I saw a Kindle in the shop and realized that when you read the books, you could make any book you wanted in the whole world into a large print book. And, and also because I I hold the book up, you know, if you've got a really heavy book and you have to hold it up right close to your face, like your arms get tired, but a Kindle is so, so light. And so I was like super excited about this. So I started to think, well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll give it a go. You know, maybe I'll be the next Amanda Hawking. And so I, so I took the series that the publisher had dropped and I self-published that. I think I did the first two books and it sold middling to poor, let's just say. But I really loved, you know, even though I wasn't selling very well, I really loved the process of putting the book together and formatting the, the manuscript and choosing the cover and putting it up and every day seeing how many books that had sold and you know, not many books that had sold and so I was just I was like I was like this is what I meant to do and one day I was at a party and I was talking to a friend who was a big fan of Fifty Shades of Grey and I had read the first chapter because you know everyone was talking about this book and what the fuss is about and I thought well I don't, I don't get what the fuss is about um, and so I was kind of trash bagging it a bit <laughs> um, <laughs> this party as you know writers want to do and she sort of said well you know it's not like you could write a book like that and I thought well you know in my head I kind of went well you know challenge accepted (laughs) so without telling anyone without even telling my husband I kind of on the side wrote this this little short 32,000 word novella which was a paranormal romance with some super sexy times in it and it was about a fox shapeshifter who was also an artist and the the kind of the gallery owner that he fell in love with and it was like a shift of war and all these kind of things and I published this book secretly under a secret pen name that I had told anyone about and I thought well you know 
in uh, six months' time, you know, it'll have sold six copies and I'll, you know, show it to my friend and we'll have a good laugh about it. And then it sold like a thousand copies in a week. Whoa. And <laughs> I sort of, you know, Amazon's made a mistake and they're going to call me and they're going to someone else's royalties and they, but they didn't call and so I sort of had to like I had to like sheepishly tell my husband so I've actually made all this money this month but it's not from serious science fiction it's from this 32,000 word paranormal sexy times romance <laughs> and when he stopped laughing um, he kind of said you know are you going to write some more and I went well yeah actually I am um, and so that was it was April 2015, and basically I've been just writing more ever since. And, yeah, um, I made my pen name public, um, and I decided to embrace being a, a sexy paranormal romance writer. And, yeah, I, I think I'm up to – I think I'm approaching 40 books now, but I kind of – kind of lose count um <laughs> and the last couple of years i've been writing uh, reverse harem which is kind of like a, a trope within paranormal romance uh, yeah where instead of having a, a female protagonist who has one partner the one one hero um she ends up with sort of three or more heroes and, and she doesn't have to choose between them so it's it's a really really kind of fun dynamic to, to look at and that's been that's really kind of skyrocketed me from the, um you know the sort of Four figure a month author to this kind of where I am now, which is a really great place to be. It really is. Yeah. I mean, I, I going back to my original question: How do you do? It? I'm looking at on your website, you know, your your book list, and it's you've got the Kings of Miskatonic series, Nevermore, Bookshop Mysteries, Briarwood Witches series, Walls of Crooks Hollow, Crooks Hollow Gothic Romance, Engine Ward, Chronicles of the Wraith, Court of the Litterfay. I mean, it's incredibly prolific. What's your daily routine like are you up at the crack of dawn and writing all day what's your what's your do you just shut the door and get on with it because also if you're self-publishing you, you've got to manage this as well haven't you yes so i quit my day job in february 2018 and it was it was absolutely awesome and i used to work sort of as a marketer like a copywriting marketer for tech companies so i kind of a lot of the marketing aspect of self-publishing kind of comes quite naturally to me, I think. You know, there's some kind of some skills that I had learned in my career that I could kind of still use now, which is really cool. And so my routine is I get up about 6 a.m., which is largely because, A, I'm super excited to get to work, and, B, we live kind of rurally, so we sort of wake up when the sun comes up. So I get up at 6, and I feed all the animals, and I sit down to my computer, and I try to write – I try to write 2,000 words in the morning mm-hmm. and then 2,000 words in the afternoon. And I will usually I usually get the 2,000 in the morning done relatively quickly within the, an hour and a half or two hours or so. And then I've got a bit of time where I can mess around on social media and kind of do the other stuff that's related to the business, you know, the sending you know, the newsletters and the, the talking to my cover artist and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, and then the 2000 in the afternoon is usually a bit more difficult. And then I will I do some kind of exercise just before lunch, so weights or cardio, something like that. And I try to kind of try to get up about once every hour and, you know, do a bit of housework or, yeah. you know, go read a book somewhere or chase my cats around or something like that. Yeah, and then my husband gets home about 5 p.m. and I try to I, – I try really, really hard – Still working on this, trying really, really hard to I shut, I shut the computer 
Right. And I don't, I don't work in the evenings because it's just, you know, you've worked all day and you just, you know, you, know, you don't do your best work anyway. Um, but if I'm on a deadline, like right now, I'm on a massive deadline. So I'm like working all day. Right. And in the evenings too. But, I'm only, but the, the book has to be done by Friday. So, oh, okay. So, 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 so thank, Friday. <laughs> thank you for taking the time to speak to us as well. Let me just say that again. I mean, I mean, it's uh, it is important to to draw a line, isn't it? To say that's it, work is done. But again, if you're having four thousand word days on average, then you're hardly a slacker, Steph. You know, you know. I think yeah. you've earned that 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 quality time with your husband there and and uh, your uh, menagerie of pets and animals and what have you you know because it's uh, you do have to step away sometimes don't you yes this is exactly it and so, and i think it's it's something that a lot of writers you know especially full-time writers kind of fall into this trap because the work is so much fun like it's really it's really hard to kind of stop because i'm really really passionate about it but it's also really really important to stop because the year before I quit my day job, I worked this really intense tech industry job, um, which also was a five hour round trip commute from my house. Oh gosh. And I only had to go in three days a week. So that kind of bought me a bit of extra time, but I was still commuting five hours on those days. And then on top of that, I was doing freelance writing work. And then I was also trying to write my books and I published, I think it was seven books that year. So I was seven or eight books that year still with that, but I, by the end of it, I was nearly burnt out, very close to approaching full, complete burnout. Wow. Um, wow. And I wouldn't do that, you know, I wouldn't do that for more. You know, I, I did it for a year because it was to get me out of the day job, but I wouldn't do it for longer with it without an end date on it. No, absolutely. That's not sustainable. Do they do they have extra hours in the day down there in New Zealand? I mean, that's that takes some serious time management to cram all that in. <laughs> I'm honest. Probably I did all of those things, but none of them to the best of my ability. Right. You right. know, to the utter best of my ability. But now, um, but it bought me the ability to leave my day job, and now I get to I get to throw myself 100% into my my work, and it's really, really, really showing that that's paid off. Yes, no, it's funny. I've I've had my first year as a sort of stay-at-home freelance writer, and it does. I mean, I was writing on commutes, in lunch breaks, that sort of thing. But just having the time to marinate those ideas properly, to concentrate on that and nothing else, it really does help. And uh, it's a real privilege to be able to do it because I know how many people are, are juggling families and day jobs around that. Um, can I just rewind back to when you were writing that first vampire model, and you had that editor acting as a kind of mentor for you what was the most important thing you learned during that period because you obviously you're learning about the craft but you're learning about the industry as well what was the what was the big takeaway that you had from that that experience of, of five years of working on that book probably to a certain extent and that was when I started to realize that I could and I not only could I, but I kind of had to separate my work from myself in that, you know, I worked five, six years on that vampire book. And, I, you know, I poured a lot of myself into to that book and those characters. And in the end, it was rejected. And it was it was very nicely rejected. But, it, you know, it was it was a lot of work and, and it was rejected. And it's very easy, I think, to take that and go, well, you know, they're rejecting me as a person. And being able to 
to look at that objectively and go, well, you know, okay, it's just not that book. And, you know, that's what she said to me. But, you know, I love you. I want to publish you, but it's not this book. And it ended up not being any books, but that's okay. And, you know, that helped me see that, you know, my career doesn't rise or fall based on one book. Um, you know, it's it's about me and it's about, you know, body of work that I produce and you know it's not about it's not this one book that defines who I am because that one book hasn't even ever seen the light of day yeah so I think that was really important to learn that helps me deal with bad reviews and just you know when I there's something I really want and it doesn't happen that really helps yeah no, absolutely. That's a very important lesson to learn. What's the? We've had Australian authors on the show, and you know they've they've spoken about how it's not like in the UK or the US. I mean, you have the big five over there and various independent publishers, but there aren't necessarily the opportunities to get your books published in that traditional way. Is it similar in New Zealand? And I, I've had friends work for Hachette in New Zealand, and obviously those big publishers have a presence there. But was um. What's the situation like over there for authors? Is is self-publishing a much more appealing option now? Yes, self-publishing is definitely a more appealing option. I think a lot of ways we are often, you know, we talk about this in, in numerous industries, we're often sort of six to 12 months behind the rest of the world when it comes to, to picking up new ideas and new technology and things like that. You, you know, it, it took six to 12 months after the Kindle was really popular in, in the US for it to really come here. And we still don't have the kind of the uptick of digital reading that other countries do. So that, you know, that's a factor because for most self-publishing authors, the majority of where you're going to sell your books is digital. And so it's really important to know, you know, who your readers actually are, how they actually read your books, because there's no point self-publishing and only doing a print book if everyone you know, if, if your readers all want digital books, for example. Um, but in terms of New Zealand for authors, I think it kind of depends on how you look at things. Yes, you know, there's definitely a presence for the bigger publishers here, but they're looking for a very specific, very narrow range of things. Um, and so if you don't fit in those very specific, very narrow range of things, then you don't have, there's, there's no opportunity to get in. Um, a lot of it is more than many other places. A lot of it is about who you know, you know, because it's such a small industry that, you know, if an editor has a specific project in mind, they're always going to go to, you know, those authors that they worked with, um, have worked with 20 times before. So it's harder as a new author to get in. But in saying that, there's also, you know, there's also a lot of opportunities. Um, for example, there's government funding for the arts, um, which writers can take advantage of. And because you have such a small pool of writers, you know, you're not competing against 5,000 other writers for, you know, one grant. You might be competing against 10 other writers for one grant. So there's, you know, there's that kind of thing. Um, I recently was one thing that was a bit sad. It didn't happen for me this year, but I applied for a thing that Antarctic Trust in here in New Zealand does, which is where they take artists uh, to Antarctica to do a specific project. And I applied for that um, as a writer. And I didn't get it. And that was really sad. But I'm going to apply again in a few years' time. But, you know, there's about – they take about six, every two, six, six projects every time they do the run. And there's only about – you know, it's not 100 people that apply. It's significantly less than that that apply. So it's, you know, and that's something that is really wonderful about New Zealand. The community is small, 
but the opportunities are still really exciting you know if you know where to find them antarctica you've got to do that i mean that is that is oh well i mean that's just incredible absolutely incredible yeah if you do do that let us know we need to know about that we want to be there with you so to speak (laughs) (laughs) you mentioned earlier that you're uh legally blind we're going to have listeners who their sight might be impaired. I'm interested to know how you're writing, what sort of, because you mentioned, you know, the great thing about the Kindle is it's portable. If you need it in big type, you can put it in big type without having to lug around enormous, you know, large print books. What sort of tech are you using uh, to write and get your words down? So I'm pretty basic about what I use because one of the great things about sort of all modern operating systems is that they have a lot of accessibility features already built in. So what I do is I use Google Drive, so Google Docs um, mainly to write on um, because the cloud is wonderful. Um, I've lost far too much work over the years with things crashing before I've pushed save, so none of that anymore. So I use Google Docs and I have a laptop and then I have a big screen with a a curve in it that plugs into the, the laptop and my husband's made me a stand so the screen sits on the stand and screen is right in front, like, you know, like my nose touches the screen. Right, and it's it's right. right in front of my face. And then I have a mechanical keyboard, um, which is really nice to type on. And I have my I have my document up on the screen, and it's in really, really big type, and it, it's only on sort of half the screen so that I don't have to move my head too too far. And then I usually have another, another window open on the other half of the screen, which has got, like, a Wikipedia article I'm working from or, and, and, you know, some interesting kind of piece of research or a thesaurus. I, I, I'm always using a thesaurus mm-hmm. on that screen. And then I have the I have the contrast on the screen reversed. So instead of having a black text on a white background, I have white text on a black background, right. um, which cuts down on the glare. Uh, and that is basically all I do. Wonderful. That's fantastic. So, Steph... What's new? What's next? What's just coming out? What's about to come out? What should we be getting excited about? Okay. Um, so the the book that I'm writing this I'm finishing this week is the fourth and final book in my Kings of Miskatonic Prep series, which is like the, the biggest, most successful series I've ever written. So that's super, super exciting. So I'm frantically trying to finish that. Um and that comes out December thirty-first, if I can get it written on Friday. And if I can't get it written on Friday, it'll come out sometime in January. So that's happening. And then the other thing is that I am just in the process of launching a kind of an online community sort of um, resource website for writers. And it's called Rage Against the Manuscript. Hmm. And you'll find it at rageagainstthemanuscript.com. And it's looking like in January, I'm going to be launching my first sort of big nonfiction book, which is called How to Rock Self-Publishing. And it's basically all about kind of my journey as a self-published author and how, you know, how other writers can can kind of take those lessons. And there's sort of 11, kind of like 11 concepts that you can, you can use and you can say, well, if I use this concept, it's going to be you know, I'm going to put myself in a position where I'm much more likely to be successful as a self-publisher. So that book and the website, which has got a whole bunch of free resources and things like that, is going to be launching in January. And then there's going to be a course associated with the book, which will launch in March. And I'm super, super insanely excited to share this thing that I've been building for like six months with everybody. So 
can't wait. That sounds absolutely amazing. And listeners will put links in the show notes to that if you want to check that out. Steph, where can we find you online? You can find me at the best place I've got. So I've got, a, I've got my author website, which is at stephmetal, um, www.stefmetal.com. I've got Rage Against the Manuscript, which is the website. Um, and there's also a Facebook group where there's lots of authors. And it's quite active um, just talking about self-publishing. That's, that's heaps of fun. And then social media, the best place to find me is Instagram, which is, um, and I'm there at stephmetal as well. And it's Steph Metal because you're a bit of a heavy metal fan, aren't you, Steph? Yes, I am. Right, what, what should we be listening to in heavy metal these days? Oh, oh don't ask me that. It's a whole other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> my, my husband and I have just um, we've had a crazy year. We've, um, we've, we just got back from Melbourne where we went to see one of our favourite bands, like a progressive metal band called Opeth, um, and they played a show over there in in like an old it was like a seated show in an old theatre and it was amazing yeah so I definitely love him fantastic well rock on Steph thank you so much for talking to us today and let's hope that those big plans you have they all come to fruition it all sounds absolutely amazing you're an inspiration to us all and uh, speak to you again soon thank you so much Mark it was heaps of fun Kia a huge thanks to Steph Green for speaking to me about her incredible career. And like I said, if you want to hear more about Rage Against the Manuscript, we'll put a link in the show notes for that as well. Listen, uh, a little bit of uh, social media coming soon, but also I'm going to be at the London Book Fair. So if you're around for that in March, do come along and say hello. I'm doing. I'm going to be there for the whole three days. So it runs from Tuesday 10th of March through to Thursday 12th of March. I'm pretty free on the Tuesday. On the Wednesday, I'm moderating a panel, which uh, on Wednesday 11th of March from 12.45 to 1.30 at the Author HQ. I'm going to be moderating a crime fiction panel, uh, talking to authors and publishing experts as they discuss the themes that drive their plot lines, how to keep readers engaged, how to reach those whodunit moments. I'm there with Cara Ramsey, Leia Adenle, and Mark Edwards, formerly of this parish and um, podcast as well. And then on Thursday the 12th, uh, we're going to have a live episode of the podcast. I'm going to have a fireside chat. There's lovely s slots at the book fair called Fireside Chats. They have an actual fireside there. And I'm going to be talking to Abigail Dean, who's debut author of Girl A, which is uh, published by HarperCollins next year. It was bought in a nine-way auction for a six-figure sum. And we're going to talk about Abigail's journey from page to publication. So it's going to be lots of fun there at the book fest do please come along and say hello also we're going to be doing uh, another round of one page punch up soon now there's the two lots coming in march we're going to be doing one page punch ups just general if you've got one page to send in then send it in and then in april we're doing a romance one now if you listen to this and thinking how what what the dickens is a one page punch up well um i'll put a link in the show notes to one of our previous episodes basically this is where you send in one page of your work in progress we give it to a top editor at one of the major your publishers and we read the page out and then we talk about the things that work things that don't work all in the hope of inspiring others and making the work better and helping you finish that draft and get it out there and get an agent or get published or whatever it is you want to do and they've turned out to be hugely hugely successful and we've had authors go on to great success with those too so that is a perk for our chart topper patrons so join us on patreon there are three tiers if you just want to support the podcast you can be a pensmith for two dollars a month and thank you so much for that for five dollars you're a bestseller to be and you get access to about i think we're up to about 70 deep dive episodes now these are exclusive for our patrons for ten dollars you're a chart topper and you get everything you get the deep dives 
access to exclusive uh, Facebook group, the BXP group on Facebook, which is great value for money. That, that for me, is, is just a godsend. You get episodes early, you get extras, all sorts of stuff. You get entrance to the live shows, and you get to submit to our one-page punch-ups. So, yeah, get over to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash support to find out more about that. And that's it. I, oh, yes, I promised you some social media, didn't I? Let's just have a quick look at that. Now, we saw uh, Paul's wonderful public declaration to write five books this year. And, you know, it's I'm recording this at the end of February, and he's already written a 93,000-word murder mystery. I have had a few people say, because I do put the public declarations in a diary. I do sort of nudge people about a week before and say, oh, how's it going? I've had a few recently say, oh, no, I haven't, you know, I'm not close, or I had to give up or whatever. Make the public declaration one that's going to work for you. We've had quite a few people say things like, yes, I'm going to write a trilogy in six months or whatever. Don't forget, when we started this podcast, we gave ourselves 12 months to write one book. And that was a rush. So, you know, when you're making your public declaration, make sure it's one that works for you. This is another reason why we did the, the BXP challenge. 200 words a day is manageable. You know, this isn't NaNoWriMo. This isn't trying to, you know, do something that seems impossible we want you to achieve these deadlines and these declarations so you know when you're doing your declaration think about it think about it seriously how long is it going to take you to finish that one book i, I do worry about this you know i don't want people failing because they feel they need to keep up with like the shannon mayors of this world who do you know 10 books a year or whatever they trust me they are the exception to the rule find the time that works for you figure it out and if it is 200 words a day fantastic if it takes you a year to write that book brilliant you do it at your own find your own pace and stick to it uh, big congratulations to sage gordon davis of this parish who has launched the paperback of a book silk flowers goodbye and she's having a book launch in south africa if you happen to be in the area do pop in there so uh, that would be great fantastic to see you there <laughs> maybe we heard from hd quarters she says so for the past month i've been flooded out of my flat by the flat upstairs they're living in temporary accommodation thanks to Storm Dennis. Now, if you're in the UK, Storm Dennis, basically, we, we had a ton of rainfall and there's lots of flooding. I'm so sorry if you've been affected by that. As is HD Quarters, has been flooded out of the temporary accommodation. It's now in temporary, temporary accommodation. But crucially, still finding time for BXP 2020. So congrats on that. Stay dry. I hope you're dry now. By the time this is recorded, Dennis is gone and there'll be another storm on its way, no doubt, very soon. Uh, so yes, if you want to get in touch with us, drop us a line. We're on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Bestseller Experiment. Twitter and Instagram is at Bestseller XP as well. So drop us a line. If you're listening to this on iTunes, subscribe, rate and review on iTunes. That, that makes a huge difference to our visibility. Big thank you as always to our editors, Dave and Jay and a big thank you to our guest Steph Green who is just amazing and a big inspiration so until next time folks happy writing and uh, see you again soon